Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join the discussion, email us at yogahour at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'll be sharing with you today some insights and practices from the spiritual path of yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. Yoga is a popular word today, but not everyone understands its uh, true significance, meaning oneness, union, or unity, not only bringing all um, people together to understand our common um, humanity and our common divinity, but bringing our attention and our awareness to rest in our essential spiritual nature, waking up to that which we really are, being restored to our original wholeness. So yoga is self-realization, knowing our true spiritual nature, and not only knowing it, but learning how to live in harmony with it. And today's topic fits right into that. Everyone, an ambassador for peace, how a shift in consciousness is changing our world for good, and how we can be part of it. And so we're going to be taking a look at the transformation of global consciousness that's changing hearts and minds and bringing the potential for real peace to our doorsteps. And we're going to have some inspiration for choosing peace for ourselves and how to roll up our sleeves and be engaged in it for everyone else as well. And our guest today is James O.D. And he's written, Choose Peace as a compass for, compass for Your Inner Life and for Every Relationship in the World, and You'll Get the Biggest wake-up call of your life. James O.D. is a renowned figure in international and social healing who has conducted healing and reconciliation dialogues for 20 years and was director of Amnesty International's Washington, D.C. office for over 10 years. His work as co-director of the Social Healing Project led him to Rwanda, Israel, Palestine, and Northern Ireland. The lead faculty of the popular 
Peace Ambassador Training hosted by the Shift Network. James is also on the extended faculty of the Institute of Noetic Sciences and is its immediate past president. He's also a member of the advisory board for the Peace Alliance. His new book is a guide to building a culture of peace, and that's what we're going to focus on today and draw um, from that book. It's called Cultivating Peace, Becoming a 21st Century Peace Ambassador. And you can find out more about the book and his work at his website, James O.D., and that's O-D-E-A, jamesod.com. Welcome, James. I'm delighted you could join us today on the Yoga Hour. It's great to be with you, Reverend Ellen. Thank you so much for this opportunity to delve into peace. Thank you. And before we um, talk too much about it, let's begin with just a moment of centering meditation to cult- cultivate peace in our conversation. We begin with a moment of centering, simply becoming fully present here and now opening our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence, however we think of that reality that is called by many names, that is the support and the substance of all that is. So right where we are right now, we affirm that this reality is present. It is the divine essence that is around us and within us. It is between us. It is what connects us all. So in this moment, let's simply move our attention from the periphery of our awareness into the depths. And and we can use our breath to do that. Breathing in, simply feel that you're pulling your attention and awareness within, becoming anchored in the stillness of your own being, in the peace of your own being. And in that center of your being, of course, is the center of all. So coming into that quiet stillness within. Also connecting with everyone, with everything. The peace that passes all understanding. It's not conditional. It's not circumstantial. It is an essential peace. And this peace brings joy to our hearts, quiet to our minds, and love into our relationships. So for a moment, simply attend, be aware of your breathing. Let thoughts and feelings arise and pass away. When we become aware of our essential nature that's beyond words and thoughts, we begin to touch the peace within us. 
we can call forth that peace now with our intention. Call it forth to shine into the mental field, the emotional nature and the physical body. And let us intend for this peace to overflow as blessing today in all of our encounters and all of our relationships. James, I'm really delighted um, to have you here on Yoga Hour, and I want to say that I find your uh, your new book, Cultivating Peace, Becoming a 21st Century Peace Ambassador, um, to be a breath of fresh air, um, just the kind of uh, inspiration that is needed today um, for people to really be able to begin to consider themselves as as peace ambassadors, as you call it, to be able to um, engage. Um, Because you're really talking about something um, that is evolutionary, something that's different from uh, perhaps earlier views that we have had of, you know, what has been called peace activism. You know, I know for myself, um, you know, coming through my my uh, young adult uh, stage in the 60s, you know, I definitely was a peace activist, but found that whole thing to be very difficult. It's what sent me off into the spiritual um, arena to try and figure out, well, you know, how do I become peaceful myself? You know, I'm trying to bring it into the world, but, you know, I'm so angry most of the time. So, um, so I think your book, you know, just so beautifully um, addresses that. So tell us about, um, you know, cultivating peace and how it's different perhaps than, you know, what we've seen in the past as a, a peace activism. Yes, uh, this is not your father's or your mother's peace movement that we're talking about. And uh, although we honor the past and all the work that is done to bring us to this pivotal change in our understanding and uh, cultivating peace and creating this culture of peace is the work that of the new science, it's the work of psychology, it's the work of spirituality, the work that says, unless we actually represent peace, we're not going to add to the solution uh, by simply protesting and being angry uh, at what is evolving. So this is the real work of being the change that we seek in the world. We are the authentic ambassadors of the domain of peace because we've worked on it in our relationships, in our inner life, on our own triggers, on our own projections, on all of that aspect that creates disharmony and conflict in the world. And so that's a lifelong work in itself. But it means that we can bring peace work, as we are now doing, into schoolrooms, into homes, into teaching our children nonviolent communication because we're seeding the roots of peace inside the very heart of the culture in our relational world, in our business world, in our 
in every aspect of the social order. So we bring societal healing as a real priority for building the culture of peace. So mm. we don't keep projecting the transmission of the old wounds into the next era of history. Mm. Yeah, so it's so important, and I think <clears throat> so hopeful. I mean, for people who are, you know, have been long-time peace activists, like you say, it's important to respect that. And um, you know, I have been aware that you know there has been a long-time connection um, between you know peace work and work for justice. You know, there's the clear sense that you can't uh, just, you know, poof, you know, have peace because you want peace if the underlying issues are not addressed. Um, And principally, it seems this has been about taking a look at, you know, the various ways in uh, uh, which, you know, people are not treated justly. But what you're talking about is, is much more comprehensive than that. Um, even, you know, as, as comprehensive as that is, there's something else about uh, wholeness, about our connectedness, and even you, you begin the first chapter of your book um, taking a look at this, in a way, this change of consciousness that we need um, to bring into our work to build a culture of peace that has to do with um, even not taking ourselves so seriously, um, understanding um uh, you know how peace affects the body, and and so on and so forth. So much more comprehensive. Yes, indeed. And um, as they say, or as our grandparents used to say, the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> and mm-hmm. So uh, we can't really represent the greatest state of peace if we're we're hostile. And uh, you know, I say the fundamentalists are just not having fun. It's this hyper-fanatical seriousness that gets us into trouble in the first place. And being able to hold oneself lightly, being able to say, well, you know, these are my preferences and my opinions, but they don't have to be entrenched positions. I don't have to clench my fist and say it must be this way. I can open that palm and, and hold it more lightly. So I think of people like the Dalai Lama and other carrying, you know, the whole issues of Tibet and the oppression of his people and all of his responsibilities in the world. And yet he does this with this aspect of serenity. Mm-hmm. And this isn't, you know, the ha-ha-ha, let's have a good joke about peace. And it's not the superficial humor, actually, we're mm-hmm. talking about. It's actually this deeper sense that when you're in the state of peace, You're in this place where I say the bitter and the sweet become one, where you've transcended the polarity and you can see what the nature of harmony is and how you might get there. So it doesn't mean avoiding the pain, the shock, the wounding, the hurt of the world. No, 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 we must face that. We must have a passion to relieve that pain and suffering. We do from a place that has transcended the polarity of the suffering and offers the bomb, the sweet bomb of peace. You know, I was in Bali after the bombings with Bishop Desmond Tutu, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, and he talks about, you know, the need sometimes 
the 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 truth gets covered over like a wound that's scabbed, and you have to open that wound. You have to face the truth, and then only with the truth can you wash out the past, relieve the past. That gives you the opportunity to release, to forgive, to heal. Mm. So imagine then that sweetness, that 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 sense of completion and harmony that brings that serene smile mm-hmm. into the being when you know that you've done the deepest healing work possible. And you mentioned that this, you know, um, is connected to uh, passion, um, but not, you know, not, it would not be the kind of passion <laughs> that is, um, you know, uh, anger or fanaticism, but a passion that is rooted in, um, in, Knowing what we care most deeply about and being able then to connect that to our shared humanity, you know, what we all care most deeply about. Um, there's a, you, you have written in your book about this kind of, um, sweetness that comes as you were just describing, you know, from this deep work. And you said, the kind of pleasure I refer to is not accessible without moral commitment. It comes from surrendering to a vision or a call to service, which then informs a life's work. (laughs) Yes, indeed. And that sense that uh, we can go all the way into that work and that when we talk about that passion... You know, I hope the book in some ways is trying to create that subtle space for new truth to emerge because if we we make anything really wrong uh, without understanding, then we're creating a new level or source for conflict. Mm -hmm. So I love what Mahatma Gandhi said about anger. He said, essentially, don't make anger wrong. Anger is like this electricity in the universe. It's It's there. And your task is to turn that energy, that raw energy, you know, from fire into light, from electricity into illumination. Mm -hmm. And uh, you do that by being authentic, you know, by letting the that energy pass through you and transform rather than being attached to energy anger rather than using anger as a crutch well if I'm anger then I'm really doing something about the world which is an illusion so we actually allow that passion that you know that we know about this in yoga don't we that shakti that core energy Mm -hmm. to come through us and authentically sweep away what is not true, what is false, so that we can be our authentic selves. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, I remember my grandmother in, in, in a moment sort of almost cleansing me with what we would call anger, but not, there was no attachment to it, and the next moment it was gone and it was moved on. Mm-hmm. That sense of releasing the energy that needs to be released so that we can move. And so much of war, bitterness, suffering, hostility comes from blocked energy. That's why I have a whole chapter in the book on energy mastery. Mm. 
And a lot of what we see in in our uh, culture today and in the world, I think, is despair. And so when we come back from the break, I'd like to talk a little bit about that because I think it's connected to what you're saying here about being in touch with the energy in a powerful way that we can access um, for positive change. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest James O.D., author of Cultivating Peace, Becoming a 21st Century Peace Ambassador, and his website is jamesod, jamesodea.com, and we'll be right back with you. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous love offerings of listeners like you. If you feel spiritually fed by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. wellness expert, Dr. Michelle Robin on healthy living. In the game of wellness, there's some basic habits that you need to embrace in order to live a well life. In her book, Wellness on a Shoestring, Robin shows you that complete wellness of body, mind, and spirit doesn't have to cost a fortune. Client Eddie Penrice turned his health around with Dr. Robin's Seven Habits for a Healthy Life. I've got to say my body just embraced the change. Besides feeling better, looking better, thinking more clearly. Many of Robin's seven habits for a healthy life are simple and free. She offers tips and shares real stories from clients like Eddie, who've incorporated the habits into their lives and seen the results. You can make this change by being convicted that you will do it. That you don't need anyone else's assistance or help to do it. Make this the year you get healthy. Discover a low-cost, attainable path to feeling better than ever. Order wellness on a shoestring today at www.shopunity.org. Have you heard about Dr. Tom Shepard's new program on Unity Online Radio? Tom Shepard, isn't he the Unity Magazine question and answer guy? Right. Well, they've actually turned him loose with a radio show, and I hear it's going to be pretty edgy. Edgy? Like what? Guest panelists and students from Unity Institute and Seminary. Topics like abortion, gay marriage, war and peace, environmental issues, Islamic fundamentalism, universal health care, religion and politics, current events. Yeah, but they'll all be Unity people, right? Dr. Tom and his students will talk about the hard questions facing all people today, sometimes joined by rabbis, priests, liberal and conservative ministers, Buddhist monks, Baha'is, Hindus. And he's going to interview them on the program? Better. He's going to introduce a controversial topic and let students and special guests go for it. This could get explosive. Does he have guys in black shirts standing by to break up the fights? (laughs) If I know Dr. Tom, he will keep it both friendly and spirited. Whoa, I gotta hear this. When and where? The program is called Let's Talk About It, and it's on every Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio. So let's talk about it. Definitely, let's.
listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and my guest today is James O.D., author of Cultivating Peace, Becoming a 21st Century Peace Ambassador. And before the break, we, we were talking about engaging in this work of building a culture of peace and um, you know how we can begin to be aware of using the energy that is there for us and James you were talking about anger and it's um, not that we um, have to get rid of anger but we have to learn how to work with it energetically, you know, so it doesn't become resentment and it doesn't bring forth violence and foster more anger, but how can it be used, um, you know, as a sort of truth um, in, in that sense. So um, I brought up that I think, you know, one of the other emotions that we deal with that is perhaps even harder is despair, that, you know, many people feel that this problem, you know, like, of bringing peace into our lives and into our world is so huge, it's so overwhelming that whatever they can do as individuals is simply not going to be enough. And so they just, you know, turn away um, because it seems too overwhelming. So I want to ask you about that. And and if you could tell us about your own experience, you know, with Amnesty International, I know you were right in the thick of the most difficult situations. So how did you keep from, uh, you know, despairing that this was never going to work and never going to change and what you would do would not make a difference? Mm Mm-hmm. In my own journey, you know, I was in Turkey for some years as an educator, and there was civil conflict there, and I, I began to see firsthand what happens when a society uh, turns to political violence. And then I was in Beirut during the war and the massacre of the Palestinians in the Sabr Shatila camp when the male fighters had in a, an agreement had left the city and then they came in and they murdered the women and the children. And I, I remember that particularly as my kind of despair moment. It, it's where I feel like the lights went out. What is this humanity? Why is it so brutal? And and yet it was shortly afterwards that you know, I, I was in another Palestinian camp that had been flattened to the ground. When we say camps, we have to think of 1948, going back to that, and people building bricks-and-mortar camps rather than just tents. And finding an old man in the rubble of this camp, trying to, you know, reinforce or let me see his dignity, and so he wanted to offer me coffee in the middle of the rubble, at first, I refused. I was with some doctors. And then we saw was part of what he wanted to reveal was his own being as he made this beautiful coffee for us in the rubble of, you know, death and destruction. And it was that moment I saw the indestructible nature of the human spirit, that no bombs can bomb away this spiritual aspect of the being. So it changed my lens in some ways. I vowed, I went on to work at Amnesty, but I came from that place of seeing that 
ultimately it is our spiritual consciousness, it is our essential nature that will prevail, that will bring peace on earth. Mm. So there's many years of having to denounce torture and murder and mayhem and having to criticize governments and point the finger. You know, I really, I had an inner place to go to. But I also ran out of that kind of exhausting polarity of always pointing at the wrong that was being done in the world. And it was from there that then I went into that social healing work, the dialogues, you know, where is the wound in the perpetrator? Or how do they get so wounded that they would do these things? We need to have that lens rather than simply that moral outrage that says punish, punish, punish the offenders. Mm -hmm. I say, and how do we heal the offending so that it doesn't return for another generation and another generation? So mm -hmm. it brings us into that place. And the great mystery, Ellen, is that uh, when we go into the heart of suffering, when we go into the brokenness of the heart, we see that the heart has this incredible phoenix-like capacity to actually endure the most terrible pain and suffering. And I've seen it in Rwanda, and I've seen it with former Holocaust survivors and so on, to endure that. And yet, when the heart, the heart can be broken and rise out of the ashes as greater, as more embracing, as more compassionate, as more healing and forgiving. And it's that journey that goes into the heart of darkness that says there is a way through. We cannot deny our suffering. We cannot numb it down and dumb it down. As you were saying, people despair because, in a sense, we all have some ideal... And the wound of cynicism creeps in there. Cynics are basically people who've despaired, who've felt that their own idealism was crushed. And what we're saying in this work, this peace work, this culture of peace work, is that actually, no, we have the power and the resources and the spiritual nourishment within us to endure all of the unskillfulness and suffering in the world and to find a path through. Mm -hmm. And I was with a former Holocaust survivor and Nazi in dialogue. At the end of the dialogue, she said to him, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yet I shall fear no ill, for thou art with me. Thou who wert my persecutor is now by my side. It's as great a story as that mm -hmm. that we can have at our sides those who abused us, those who hurt us, those who offended us, those who wounded us. We can transmute the depth of the poison, but we've got to do that inner work. And it begins with releasing, with being willing to say, I can go to the next place of you. Mm. And your book is so um, powerfully focused on um, the hope that's available for us if we are willing to do this inner work. And, of course, 
you know, connecting us to seeing that this is actually an evolutionary trend that's occurring on our planet right now, having to do with the awakening of consciousness, you know, to be, to be able to even see this as a possibility, you know, in our lives, in our world is evolutionary. And so, um, you know, that, that is very hopeful. And, and you make the point that, you know, being a peace ambassador is really, um, required of each one of us. And, you know, in our teachings of yoga, our spiritual teachings, ahimsa or nonviolence is the, um, foundational um, principle uh, and, and this has to do with um, you know not only refraining from violence that would hurt you or others or the environment but really cultivating um, peace and cultivating love if you if you really get down to the core of it that the, that the opposite of violence is really love that is understanding our wholeness, understanding our interconnectedness, our relatedness. Um, and so the inner work that we do is is essential. But of course, not inner work for the sake of, you know, just ourselves alone, but, but inner work so that we come to know this deep connection and then we can... Um, live in ways that honor that deep connection um, you you bring up the golden rule uh in your in your book um that 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 that's a core universal value as um peacemakers you know we we need to really be aware of that and how we live it yes indeed uh, that um that seed of knowledge in all of the great traditions that says, you know, just simply treat other people as you would have, as you would be treated. Or as St. Francis would said, seek to understand more than to be understood. You know, be a listener, as we have a whole chapter on listening in the book. How do you if, you, if you know in your heart that what you need is to be heard, and give that space to another person that they may be heard. And uh, well, we have this wonderful new science that talks about the fields that we create, the deep fields, the heart-centered fields, the electromagnetic fields of awareness and connectivity we feel when we listen deeply to each other. We create a, a circuitry of empathy, a circuitry of connection. So we're offering that deep space of what we would want from from others to them and it is the elixir it's magic it's really that's that that golden rule is is the seed of great great wisdom it's amazing isn't it yeah. when you when you think about how it shows up in in every tradition it's there you know it's right before our eyes and and at the at the core of it of course is this very deep deep understanding about the truth of our being you know we we can't do anything um to another that we don't you know do to ourselves because of our connectedness because of our oneness so recognizing this deep oneness is is right there 
uh, at the heart of the work that we do as ambassadors of peace, and it's there in in every religious and spiritual um, tradition. Now, you you talk about how choosing peace, um, choosing to cultivate this in our lives, you know, to live the golden rule. Um, changes us profoundly and um let's talk about that a little bit so you know i know for myself in you know as a practitioner of yoga that you know i i went to yoga to find healing for myself um you know out of my attempts to be a peacemaker in the world which i felt that i failed at miserably <laughs> i felt i needed to first find peace in myself and so initially this inner work took me out of the world so not to say that yoga took me out of the world but then it brought me back to the world in a new way you know with a new vision and really new tools um so Tell us a little bit about your your thoughts about how choosing to be an ambassador of peace, choosing to live the golden rule or to practice ahimsa changes us. Yes, we, um, we're really discovering that it's not a dog-eat-dog world in terms of the evolutionary process. That, you know, we were told so much that it was about competition and survival of the fittest and and what we're really discovering in the new science is that evolution is far more collaborative than it is competitive and that the body is actually designed for love gratefulness peace we know that people who are altruistic we're serving others, live longer, have better health indicators. So it's a whole new map in some ways that's telling us, look again and see that what we need to do is to understand the corrosive nature, actually, of the violence we do to ourselves when we live in shame, when we, we, when we refuse to be grateful, when we live with kind of incipient, prolonged hostility and lack of inspiration. All of these things are the things that that are killing. And so the design of the universe is so much more graceful and loving than we ever imagined in some ways. So we are, we are invited in the culture of peace to step into that place that says, you know, gratitude is key even when things seem wrong, and that we can learn these skills of nonviolence uh, in a very important way. So uh, I, I think you get the picture there that we have a new map, and that map mm-hmm. is, is very much uh, one that's going to lead us forward. Absolutely, and it's so much more encouraging, isn't it? It's so much more encouraging, and and it it connects to what our spiritual traditions um, tell us, or at least that what we find in the philosophy of yoga, that the essential nature, you know, of human beings um, is 
is bright, uh, awake, loving, compassionate, and that violence is something that is is learned, you know, in culture, and so it can be something that we can that we can change, and that this peace work, in a sense, is getting down to our. Um, our true nature, and, and I understand that even Darwin <laughs> did wrote about um, the compassionate nature, you know, a, a, as part of our evolutionary um, mechanism. But that that work was, you know, really um, passed over, you know, in favor of this survival of the fittest. But that in his work, he also wrote about, um, you know, compassion being. A, uh, an important element of our uh, makeup. So I, I find that fascinating that, you know, for so long that was, that was overlooked and something else was emphasized. But I think as you note in your work, it has to do with the evolution of our consciousness. And, um, and I'm sure that this work that you've done with noetic sciences, you know, it, it is building a culture of peace and how it's touching, you know, all, all areas of um, society and culture. Indeed, yes. These new science maps, these new psychological maps, uh, the whole root system of our culture is beginning to shift, and it's taking time, of course, because there are vested interests um, that, that want to sustain the current map of greed and so on, but the great change is happening, and it's happening in inside the, the human psyche and soul, and, you know, my dear friend Barbara Marks Hubbard is involved in focusing people on the birth in the awakening process, rather than saying, you know, 2012 is the end of the story, mm. but uh-huh. it's the birth of this new consciousness. Exactly. And yeah. what I was saying to her was, you know, Moses, we, you know, the birth of Moses, he's put in a basket and is hidden in the rushes, and Jesus is is out in a simple stable, but this time the consciousness, the higher consciousness, is being birthed in the open. And it's that openness, that freedom from fear, that diversity and cultural plurality, that that a creative ebullience in the heart of humanity that will be unstoppable because, you know, what the power and control people need is to fight our agenda, but we don't have an agenda. We Life is our agenda. Creativity mm-hmm. is our agenda. And so we're moving. Isn't this so exciting? We're moving beyond single positional agendas to an affirmation of life's creativity and our role in a greater, more loving universe. That's a shift in consciousness that will be unstoppable. Absolutely. And when we come back from the break, let's come back to that part of the conversation about creating a planetary culture of peace. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and you're listening to the Yoga Hour special guest, James O.D., author of Cultivating Peace, Becoming a 21st Century Peace Ambassador. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. We'll be right back with you.
affirm the good that flows within you and stretch to reach your divine potential with daily inspirational messages from Daily Word. The path to God is not long or difficult or complex. Wherever I am, whatever I am doing, I pause and bring awareness to the one spirit that is within me. I open my mind to the thought of one creative energy enlivening me in the world. I open my heart to the one love that is the essence of life. This love, God's love, is within us all. Spirit needs no books or rituals, wealth or architecture to reveal itself. It is as intimate as a touch and as vast as the infinity of space. I am at peace in the simple knowing that wherever I am, God is. Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. A one-year subscription to Daily Word Digital Magazine with audio is only $9.95. That's less than three cents a day to start your day right, centered and connected to the truth within you. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com. Do you experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at yogahour at unity.fm and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and my guest today is James O.D. You can find out more about his book and his work at jamesod.com. That's O-D-E-A. Um, the goal of yoga and the very definition of yoga is oneness consciousness. And this, of course, is not just intellectually understanding that we're all connected, but directly experiencing that all of life is connected and we're part of a larger whole. So what impacts one of us impacts all of us. And um, it is from this place of awareness um, that we shift from being, uh, as, as you mentioned in your book, partisans of the part to advocates for the whole. Um, so let's sort of bring this into a practical, if we can. Um, what examples would you give of how this lofty principle of oneness consciousness gets played out in real life piecework? I mean, how do you see this change in consciousness ch- transforming situations? Well, very clearly in the skills of nonviolent communication, in understanding how we, uh, you know, process energy ourselves, it's very, very key to understanding energy as a, as a really vital way of changing the game. And yoga has understood that 
know, from the beginning of the story, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, if if somebody is hitting your stuff, if you're getting angry or humiliated or shamed or, you know, outraged, that's your stuff. That mm-hmm. all that is an, a point, a big point, a big arrow in the universe that says, look at your own stuff here. <laughs> you're, you're the one who's getting projected, triggered, and annoyed. That's where you have work to do. Where do you have that energy to release? And when you do that, you become skillful in bringing that harmony and oneness. In the office, you know, I like to remind people, we talk a lot about physical bullies, but there are emotional bullies. There are intellectual bullies. And there's a way in which we can do piecework that really takes care of ourselves because we have a primary responsibility to protect ourselves. But how about that when you can protect yourself and protect the other from their own unskillfulness? That's a new map that mm-hmm. says... By the person who's bullying me, I'm actually going to take care of them because I shouldn't be bullied, and I'm going to protect them in the process from their own unskillfulness. Mm. You know, and uh, so th- there's lots of very practical material here based on this deeper science, this deeper wisdom, this deeper knowledge, but it goes right into the heart of how we can have more skillful relationships. I mean, the emotional bully is essentially somebody who has been starved, uh, you know, for affection and attention. And, you know, I've people have written to me, you know, with rem- miraculous stories about how I say, you know, the person who's m- emotionally manipulating you or is always finding fault with yours, and I say... You know, leave a box of chocolates on their desk. Leave flowers, you know, offer them love and support. It will blow them away (laughs) because the very thing that they're looking for so unskillfully going in this roundabout way can be given to them. Mm -hmm. Once they learn that reciprocal law that, in fact, ask and you shall receive, given it will be there for you. Mm. It sounds so corny, it sounds so <laughs> stupidly simple, but in fact that's the way we are destined, we're designed to feed each other. And in ra- what happens with somebody who's emotionally bullying, manipulative, we tend to feed them less. We say, no, they don't deserve it, no, I'm not, you know, they've, mm. they've, they're on the wrong side or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yet when you defy your own projection and trigger and feed them what they need, you'll see a revolution in the relationships around you. Mm. So that's why I'm so excited about the new <laughs> science of peace, because it is so practical. It is, is really you know, very, very useful material. In, in yoga, we have um, a, a technique that is, comes right out of the Yoga Sutra, ancient Vedic science, that is cultivating the opposite. And, you know, so I, I hear that in what you're describing in this, you know, scenario of, you know, what is the prevailing dynamic and, you know, what is it that would shift it? You know, instead of, you know, so often our behaviors simply... Um, 
enhance the prevailing dynamic. Um, but if we start to step back and look at, you know, what is really needed and, and, you know, I think we can ask ourselves, you know, what am I really committed to? You know, what do I want to bring forth? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm married. And so there's a lot you can learn about peacemaking in a marriage relationship, right? You know, you, you, you find that, you know, sometimes you can get involved in it, just a petty squabble. And, uh, you know, the, the ego wants to win, you know, you want your point of view to prevail. But I think if you're committed to peace work, you, you begin even in your, your home life, your family life, your marriage relationships, um, to ask bigger questions, you know, what is it that I want? You know, do, do I, you know, is it necessary for my point of view to prevail? Um, or, you know, am I looking for something else? you know, which is uh, love, you know, um, peace. And that doesn't mean for me, you know, selling myself out, like, you know, not having my point of view. It just means that, you know, I cultivate the ability to stand in a bigger space. And uh, so I think a lot of the peace work that we can do is 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 like that. Um, I, I want to acknowledge also you, you're mentioning you know, nonviolent communication, and I do think that that is a powerful, powerful tool. Um, you know, of course, we have you know our skills of, of meditation, learning how to quiet the mind is essential. Um, you know, to study. You know, looking at the new science, study in your own religious and spiritual tradition, and then, you know, learning some specific skills, um, and speech is that intermediary, you know, between our thoughts and our intentions and our, and our actions. So it's a powerful arena for us to be doing this peace work. So hats off to, um, Marshall Rosenberg and, uh, and his work. Absolutely, yes, and the core of that work being, you know, that people need love and caring and empathy and connection. Why not give it to them? Why not work towards Mm -hmm. that? What we tend to get focused on is the problem, and I'm going to draw your attention to the nature of the problem, and we're going to, then we find ourselves living inside of the problem, referenced by the problem, experts on the problem, PhDs on the problem. <laughs> and yet the huge shift that occurs that when we put our energy inside the solution and say, this is the energy of the solution speaking. This is the energy I want to live out of. This is the direction I want to head into. And you don't ignore the problem, but you... You don't fall into what I call the snake eyes entropy of the problem. Mm -hmm. You have the energy of the solution. You have the energy of evolutionary process saying, okay, we're going to move the story here. And boy, when when we move the story into the solution zone, everyone feels better. Mm -hmm. So it is is possible for a win-win solution. And harmony doesn't come from everybody trying to be nice to each other. It really comes from that communication process of being real and truthful from each other, but not not the reality that says, you know, this is the problem I've always known mm-hmm. and the bitterness of that. Mm-hmm. The reality that, in fact, 
I can heal, I can recover, I can become whole, I can forgive. I mean, I've been with a mother in Rwanda who forgave the murderers of her two children. I mean, how is this possible? But it is possible because we are great beings. We are phenomenally connected. We're antennas of universal wisdom and connectivity. We need to get out of the sandpit of, of you know, small-time politics and small-time visions and realize that we have a capacity as great as that in which we can forgive the murderers of our children and heal our societies. We are great beings destined to eventually have a planetary civilization of peace. Oh, that is such a beautiful place for us to conclude this morning with the vision of touching that truth that we are great beings. And the work that we have to do is really being in touch with that potential within us and actualizing it. It's been such a joy to share this yoga hour with you. And thank you so much, James, for joining us today. I want to remind uh, listeners to learn more about his work. Go to James O.D. O-D-E-A dot com. Next week, we'll be back with you. Meditation for the Love of It with special guest Sally Kempton. I want to remind you to visit CSE's website, csecenter.org, for some special resources um, for the Holy Days Meditation and Spiritual Practices. I look forward to being with you next week. Until then, let your inner light shine into the world and remember to share your peace and your joy with all that you meet. Bye now. Bye, James. Thanks again. Goodbye. Thank you so much, Reverend Ellen. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Have you heard about Dr. Tom Shepard's new program on Unity Online Radio? Tom Shepard, isn't he the Unity Magazine question and answer guy? Right. Well, they've actually turned him loose with a radio show, and I hear it's going to be pretty edgy. Edgy? Like what? Guest panelists and students from Unity Institute and Seminary, topics like abortion, gay marriage, war and peace, environmental issues, Islamic fundamentalism, universal health care, religion and politics, current events. Yeah, but they'll all be Unity people, right? Dr. Tom and his students will talk about the hard questions facing all people today, sometimes joined by rabbis, priests, liberal and conservative ministers, Buddhist monks, Baha'is, Hindus. And he's going to interview them on the program? Better, he's going to introduce a controversial topic and let students and special guests go for it. This could get explosive. Does he have guys in black shirts standing by to break up the fights? (laughs) If I know Dr. Tom, he will keep it both friendly and spirited. 
Whoa, I gotta hear this. When and where? The program is called Let's Talk About It, and it's on every Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio. So let's talk about it. Definitely, let's. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 